This is the second part of two episode series focusing on AI in customer feedback. In this episode, we discuss semantic analysis and how AI copes with biases. In the next month, we invited several CX consultants to discuss what they think CX leaders should mostly focus on when building their strategies. So subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on the upcoming content and meanwhile, enjoy the episode. Hello everybody, welcome to another CX Insider podcast episode. Today, Simon and I are speaking to Fabrice Martin from Clarabridge. Hello, Fabrice. How are you? Hello, Valentina. Hello, Simon. Very well and excited to be here with you. Collaborabridge is specializing in text and speech analysis using artificial intelligence. And today we are going to have a discussion on how this tool can help elevate your customer experience and what its advantages and limitations are. So, Fabrice, would you give the audience a bit of an intro of what is your role in Clarabridge and what you do so we can then dive deep into today's topic? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, uh, so first I'll, I'll tell you a little bit what, what we do, not so much uh, in terms of technology, but but what our customers do, right? And then I'll tell you my role within the company. But uh, basically our, our our technology is called a customer experience management solution or platform. And, and what it does is that it helps companies take a, a data-driven, uh, customer-focused approach to everything they do, from their product design to their marketing campaigns to their uh, business uh, model, etc. And uh, uh, we enable them to do that uh, by helping them build a, an integrated, holistic view of the customer experience they provide to their own customers and uh, and basically analyze all the interactions that they're having with their customers, the feedback that their customers are giving them, and bringing it all together in order to make decisions about, again, the products, the marketing campaigns, the services, etc. My role within Clarabridge is um, I'm chief product officer. So my responsibility is the design of our products, pricing, our go-to-market strategy, our uh, marketing, our corporate roadmap. Uh, so that's really my responsibilities within the company. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I have, a, I have a question. My first question I want to ask you is actually from my personal experience using a AI-powered tool to analyze my written language. And I do this via Grammarly. Because I, right. I'm, yeah, I, I, uh, I have subscription to Grammarly, and for those who don't know what it is, it's a, it's a AI-powered tool to help you correct your grammar and syntax in your written language, and also tells you what kind of tone of voice you you use. So, for example, when you write something, whether it's informal, fro formal, friendly, sad, happy, rude, <laughs> sometimes it's 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 um, pretty accurate. But I was just wondering when people describe things, they may use words which might hold completely opposing um, meanings. So, for example, the word "kill," right? When a customer writes a review and says, "Oh." Your the, the wait time is killing me. <laughs> and when exactly. another customer says, oh, the latest uh, Coca-Cola Christmas ad is, is killing it. 
Now, how does the AI cope with that? Because obviously, and to, to add to that, um, how does the AI cope with the exaggeration? Because the wait time isn't killing anyone, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that's a great question, Valentina. And, and it's really the, the, the better technologies, and I want to think that our technology is one of those, uh, do full semantic analysis of, of the words, right? So, so mm-hmm. we understand a little bit like when you went to school and you were a kid and you had to draw the boxes around the nouns, the verbs, and, and all that stuff in order to make sense of, of the sentences. Uh, that's exactly what we do behind the scenes. And doing that full semantic analysis allows you to understand the relationships between the words. And then from there, you get the, the meaning and the context of the words. And, and that's where uh, context is absolutely important in your example and in, in human language in general, right? We are very attuned to, to context. And as you said, uh, if you said, for example, when we have a lot of banking customers and um, mm-hmm. it's not the same to say, oh, well, the customer service in your branch was outstanding. Uh, we all understand that that's good uh, or, or you have an outstanding balance and uh, I'm going to have to cancel your account. The, the word outstanding has very different meanings on one sense, very positive on the other one, really bad. Mm-hmm. So, so that semantic analysis and that understanding of the relationship between the words and the context is what allows us to, to uh, uh, be very precise, right? Because as I mentioned at the beginning, the whole point of our technology is to help companies make better decisions about customer experience. If the analysis is flawed, the decisions will be flawed as well, right? So, so it's very important to have a high, high degree of precision when we interpret language and when we provide uh, all these analytics to our customers. Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I, absolutely. I understand that in this case, to understand the full context using AI is very powerful. But for example, using traditional methodologies and the traditional ways how to gather customer feedback, let's say I have conservative opinion on it and I say, oh, the traditional methods uh, collecting customer feedback via service is is the best way. Prove me wrong. Exactly. So, so it, it's a great question, and, and that's why um, we are firm believers that you have to have a very holistic view of mm-hmm. the customer. So, um, there's uh, most most people when we talk about customer experience, they are going to think, oh, service. So, so I mean, mm-hmm. you you go through a, an airport, you go to a restaurant, you fly, you whatever you do, and somebody will send you a survey, and then you're going to answer it, and supposedly they check the box on customer experience. But as you said, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's very limited, and and it will only give you one angle. So what we focus on is really giving our customers the ability to look at every possible channel of feedback or customer interaction. So, mm-hmm. so if you think about a, a modern customer, you're going to interact with uh, companies via the internet, uh, visiting their website, and you're going to leave breadcrumbs there. Uh, you're going to chat. Uh, you're probably going to follow them on Instagram and, and like or uh, 
you have conversations through Instagram with your brands, you're going to visit their store. Uh, you might answer one or two surveys. You're going to call their contact center. Um, so all of those channels, multiply them by uh, all the customers for, for a given company. Uh, really looking at all of those simultaneously is what gives you the highest possible degree of precision and understanding of the customer experience collectively uh, and individually as well. That's interesting, isn't it? What you, because as you mentioned, you know, when people, companies discuss and talk about feedback, you think of a survey. Exactly. But in reality, businesses have got access to way more data that could give you a more valuable kind of um, customer feedback rating than actually actually asking the customer because the customer is going to be emotive and based upon very limited number of kind of you know reasons as to why they're giving their feedback the data already exists behind the scenes for you to predict what that feedback was going to be because it could be something as simple as wait times couldn't it or something exactly exactly simon and and that's the key from our perspective right to 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 give you uh, as complete a picture as possible and and the only way frankly is to be tapped into every type of interaction and feedback channel that uh, your customer might choose right i mean there was a time where the companies would choose how to get feedback from the customer but that's not applicable anymore in the world we live in the customer chooses where they want to be and how they want to interact with companies and the only choice that companies have is to go to those channels and be attentive I can imagine that a company, a global company, which has thousands of customers across the world, can find AI a tool to be really helpful when it comes to analyzing customer reviews and customer feedback, because uh, when you have thousands of customers, it's nearly impossible to analyze it just by humans. When it comes to, for example, contact call centers, how exactly can customer sentiment uh, analysis uh, leverage the CX or what other actionable insights can AI bring to or value can uh, bring to the analysis? That's, uh, again, another great question, Valentina. And, and I think, you know, uh, I would preface this with, with uh, the observation that contact centers really are an incredible goldmine of information for companies. And most companies are just sitting on that goldmine without really uh, using it that much, right? So, so there's the traditional QA process. If you call a contact center, uh, you will most likely hear this call is being recorded for quality purposes or some variation of, of that message. And that's basically all the quote-unquote analysis that companies do today of, of that. But uh, what we have discovered is that applying our type of technology to all the conversations that are flowing through the contact center can be, again, super, super enlightening, not only for the contact center operations, and we'll talk a little bit about just concretely the value for contact centers, but also for other departments. The, the reason why you end up calling a company usually has to do with something else in the experience, right, that, that either failed or or uh, was not very clear. To give you an example, one of our customers, you know, they are a high-tech company. They had made a, a change in their product. They were merging two, two different companies that they had acquired. And at some point, they were trying to unify the users between the two products. 
part of the process was very hard to understand. And suddenly they saw this huge flood of calls to the contact center with uh, their customers complaining about, hey, I'm being kicked out of the software. I cannot connect. Um, so using our technology, they were very quickly able to root cause uh, the, the, the calls that they were having. And, and they were able to fix the software and fix the situation and dramatically reduce the volume of calls that they were getting to the contact center. So again, the, the reasons why people call are going to be somewhere else in the customer journey, but tapping mm -hmm. into the contact center will help you eliminate those points of friction in the other parts of, of the customer journey. Uh, so, and then concretely, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sam. No, 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 sorry. I, I just, sorry, I was just going to say that, that that's super valuable what you've just said for a business, isn't it? Because just by analyzing other systems within the organization, you can start to almost predict that you're going to have an increase in customers contacting you. As you just said, if a, if an, if a system that they're trying to use, you know, their login fails for some reason, and then that happens en masse, then you can start to predict that actually we're going to have an increase in the number of customers that are going to contact us. So in a way, you are actively predicting why customers are going to contact you. So effectively, you kind of know why they're contacting you almost before they know why, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'll give you a good example of, of that, Simon. And of course, this this is just straight bottom line improvement, right? Uh, if you can reduce the number of calls that come to a, a company's contact center, they have a very specific number uh, that tells them how much every minute of, of a call costs them. Uh, so so it, it's really huge savings if you do this well. Uh, and, and that's, again, a very valuable offering, as you said, for companies. Uh, but just to give you an example of exactly what you said, uh, this happened with one of our customers as well. Uh, they, they are an insurance company. They had made a change in, in their policy. And they noticed that there, there was an increasing volume of, of calls from customers uh, that, that had questions about the change in policy, right? Nothing really dramatic. But they noticed that that was a dominant topic of conversation in their contact center. So what they did is really clever. Uh, of course, they, they trained their agents to better deal with those types of questions and changed uh, the, the information on the website about the policy. But what they also did is that they looked at their database and they looked at all the customers who were affected by that change of policy and proactively reached out to them and told them, You're, you are going to see this change. This is what it means. Don't worry, blah, 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 right? So they avoided future calls by being proactive. And, and again, that's huge savings, just calls that never happened. Yeah, it's, it's kind of essential as well, isn't it, this kind of analysis? Because in this world where, where, where consumers can, can move between organizations easier and easier, you know, every country is impl imp implementing legislation to allow you to move from one, one, cust one, one provider to another a lot easier than ever. I think that's hugely important, isn't it, to make sure that you're analyzing all of this data. In, in your view and you know, your experience and the customers you've worked with, what's, what's the first thing you tell an organization when you step in and you're in a room with them, you just say, right, this is the first thing you need to look at. What, what is that? Usually, Simon, they will have some type of a survey-based program either some type of NPS, Net Promoter Score, 
or customer satisfaction program. And the, the very first thing we tell them is to uh, start complementing that program with additional sources of, of feedback. Right? And we talked about reviews or, or the contact center or, or other. And, and usually the reason we are brought in is because everything was well until it isn't. Right? So they have their survey program and uh, their score looks good. They're happy. Uh, one day the score goes down dramatically and their survey system doesn't tell them why or what to do about it. So that's when they start scrambling and they start looking for technologies like ours right, to, to root cause and to understand what is driving those lower scores and, again, what to do about it and change them because their CEO is pressuring them, right? The CEO just has one or two what they call beacon metrics and, and that's all they care about. But but they are in charge of solving the problem and making sure those beacon metrics are doing well. Uh, so again, you know, that's usually when we're brought in and, and the the way to root cause and to understand what could be driving those scores is to add more data and different sources to, again, build a more holistic understanding and view of the customer experience. Yes, I, was always, I was always interested how um, how AI is coping with the subjectivity of... of oh, my microphone fell, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Okay, I'm back. Oh, good. I was always wondering how AI was how AI is coping with the customer feedback subject subjectivity. But on the other hand, is it possible that the AI itself can have some kind of bias embedded in itself? Um, it's, a, it's a good question. And, and one, one concern that is kind of in the air. And, and yes, yes, the, the short answer is that yes, pure machine learning algorithms for AI depend basically on, on the data that was used to, to train the algorithm. And if that data comes with bias, uh, then the algorithm will, will inherit that bias, right? So, so it is very important for data scientists and, and for companies like ours who apply AI to have a, really a couple of things. One is to make sure that the data that we use uh, to train algorithms or, or to produce scores, whatever it is that we do, is uh, not biased, right? Or as unbiased as possible, and that we we triangulate, we make sure that there's there's a, a really good data that we use for that training. And second is to have safeguards, uh, the ability to uh, override, for example, certain things that the algorithm might be telling with uh, some types of, of of rule system. I mean. In our case, we are firm believers of, of hybrid systems. So have a combination of pure machine learning and rules-based algorithms. That combination, we, we feel, strikes the, the Goldilocks balance, right? Between having something that could be biased, but where you have ultimately the, the ability to overwrite and, and eliminate that bias or, or fine-tune at the edges. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you can start using your AI and the AI will start gathering data from the internet, but it can learn itself to be biased. So does that make sense? 
I think of it think of it as the the self driving car, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're not eliminating the steering wheel; it is still there. So so if if the the training or the data that is steering the car is not perfect, you always have the ability to take over and make it do what you want it to do, right? Take over the driver's seat if you want. So so I think about it that way. You you can let the machine do its thing, but also as the operator of, of that algorithm or, or that technology, you have, or, or the technology needs to provide you with the ability to grab the steering wheel and, and take over. That That is our, our focus and our approach for this type of technology. So w- with that in mind, do you, do you foresee a time where AI will replace customer service in its entirety? I don't know, Simon. I, I think uh, there's, there's definitely that fear, if you want. I think there's, there's a couple of things that are going to happen. One is that technology and AI will basically give us superpowers, if you want, right? And, and we're talking very concretely about customer service, right? Uh, but if you think of, of uh, an AI augmented uh, contact center agent today, uh, they will have literally superpowers, right? Because they, they will have the machine tell them, okay, based on this conversation, uh, this is the knowledge-based article that will solve the problem that your customer has or proactively recommend it. Your customer might be looking for this type of offering because we've seen customers similar to this customer and, and that's what they end up buying. So it's going to make uh, the, the boring aspects of uh, customer service fully automated because those are simple and they can be done by bots or chatbots. And then it's going to make the, the actual interaction and, and humanity part of the job much more interesting and effective. So mm. I, I don't know that you can completely eliminate the, the need for human interaction, right? After all, we all strive for that. <laughs> and if anything, this pandemic has taught us is that we, we really love to have that one-on-one interaction and socialization. And, and so I think, yeah, customer service is going to always rely on, on humans, but the technology is going to make those humans super empowered if you want to, to be better agents and provide a better service and be more efficient in general. And and hopefully just replace, as you say, those those kind of less important transactions that that can be done through a kind of chatbot AI approach. Because I, I was interacting with one a few days ago, me being me, being deliberately annoying, trying to break the AI, but it, it actually did the entire um, service and transaction that I required to my annoyance, even though I was trying to break it. It, it was that good. Uh-huh. I said, by the way, I think AI is at work in the background. I've literally just received an email that I'm, I'm being invited to an event where Scotiabank are going to talk about their AI chatbot to redefine their customer service. I think there's definitely some AI at work there to uh, send me that email in the background whilst we're talking. Interesting. It's, 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 definitely, it's definitely becoming, it's, it's almost, an, an, I can't even say it, it's almost an inevitability, isn't it? Uh, the work that you're doing and, and analyzing the data because those data sets are going to continuously grow, aren't they? Especially as when new channels are introduced. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and you know, automation 
in in that sense is is very positive, right? It, it helps again customers get uh, the right service at that time. If I need something at two in the morning for whatever reason, it's very hard to have actually a person servicing me at that point because of all sorts of, of restrictions, etc. But if a bot can help me answer my question, that's going to be great. Right? And then again, the the human interaction is for that more important transaction, the the one that's more complicated, the one that needs uh, more human touch. Uh, so, so I think the, the end result is, is, is very positive. Of course, I'm a techie, so I like those things, right? Of course, of course. Well, thank you, Fabrice. I'm afraid we're getting to the end of the episode, but I have my last question for you. What would you recommend to aspiring CX leaders who aim to improve their customer experience? Uh, well, first of all, I should say it's been a real pleasure, uh, Valentin and Simon, to have this conversation. And I thank you for hosting me today. Uh, hopefully we can get to do this again, because again, it's been, it's been a great conversation. Uh, in terms of, of what would I recommend, I think... Uh, Again, the key is to be holistic about the approach uh, to customer experience. It's uh, the easy path is just to set up again a survey process, check the box, and say, "Yeah, we have a customer experience program. We ask our customers what they liked and disliked about the experience." Again, check the box. We're, we're listening to our customers, but as we discussed, that's a very limited way. To, to approach customer experience. Uh, my recommendation is to, to broaden uh, your, your listening uh, and, and really uh, strive to have a very holistic approach to understanding your customers and to proactively addressing their needs. Uh, that will only make you much more successful in whatever your endeavor is, right? Whether you're a product manager and want to have the best product in the industry or you're a marketer, you want to properly segment and, and message the, the value add of your products and services, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The more data you have, the stronger understanding you have of your customers and what they experience when they interact with you, the more successful you're going to be. Thank you, Fabrice. If you like this episode and are interested in AI-powered customer feedback, Feel free to connect with Fabrice on LinkedIn or visit www.clarabridge.com. And of course, don't forget to like, share, comment or subscribe on any of your preferred platforms. In the next couple of episodes, we invited several CX professionals to break down and discuss the very key concepts of CX strategy. So stay tuned and I will see you next time.